0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emmerich, CPA with Parmels and Associates. So you've probably heard me talk about Promotive a lot. They're one of the sponsors of the podcast. Um, and as you might know, they do staffing and recruiting for the automotive and shops just like yours. What I wanted to do, though, is sit down with Joelle from Promotive and learn a little bit more about her business and how it can help you out. Um, I know several listeners have already reached out to her and are working to her now, but hopefully a little better understanding about what they do and how they can help your shop. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. NapaTrax will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six-days-a-week support, and local representation. Visit them online at NapaTracks.com. That's n-a-p-a-t-r-a-c-s.com. Promotive makes automotive recruitment simple. They go beyond the job boards and take care of every aspect of the recruiting process, giving you more time to focus on your shop and customers. Visit them on the web at GoPromotive.com. So happy to have here today Joel Pollack with Promotive, a staffing company specializing specific in the automotive aftermarket. So, Joel, thanks for coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me, hon.
0: Yeah, so you guys might have heard Promotive. You guys have heard my ad reads about it. Uh, Promotive is a sponsor of the podcast, but more importantly, providing awesome services to shops around the country to fill the vacant positions, not that anyone ever has that, but wanted to have her on here to talk a little bit about the state of the industry and the staffing shortages that I'm sure everyone listening has come across, and then also talk a little bit more about promotive and how they're helping shops to solve these issues. Joel, you and I were talking a little bit before about this, and I've been doing this 15 years, you're young as well, but have been in this industry a long time. Why do you think that we're seeing such a major issue right now? Because I feel like this is probably the number one complaint I hear from shops is, I need people. I just can't find someone.
1: It's a loaded question, huh? And, you know, I would say there's two sides to that, right? I mean, the tech shortage is a real thing. A year and a half ago, when we really started talking about, you know, what's a challenge and opportunity in this industry with independent shop owners and the tech shortage, you know, we said, what can we do immediately to to help shop owners. And obviously we said there's really good technicians, service advisors, any role within the shop really. And there's a talent out there. So step one is to really retain that talent. That's what we're focused on today is retaining that talent. And it's like matchmaking, right? Trying to find the right tech or service advisor with the right shop owner. And then kind of phase two, which is it's a taller task, right? Is to try and contribute towards that tech shortage and getting more involved with the technical schools and post-secondary programs. And, you know, I sit on the ASC Education Foundation Board. So really mapping out our strategy on what we could do with those accredited schools and try and get some of the top young adults and students into the industry and into independent repair shops. So that's kind of our two-pronged short-term and long-term approach. On what we're doing here.
0: You made a really good point there about retention, because I think that this is one that is often overlooked is a lot of shop owners are so concerned about finding that new person, getting another person in their team, that they're kind of overlooking the people that they do have in the building. And yeah, it's great to get that new person. If you kind of overlook or you're underpaying your guys and you lose someone, you're really no farther ahead.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we're not looking to partner with just any shop out there, right? We want to make sure we're doing the right thing for the shop and the candidate because that's where if a technician's at a shop that maybe they don't mesh well with the culture or the pay isn't there and the things you just mentioned, I mean, that's when they're leaving the industry, right? So that's why you know we start with an intake call with the shop to really have that conversation and learn more about their culture. And what does that A tech or B tech mean to them? You know, are they looking for somebody that can turn a bunch of hours or do heavy diag? because each shop is run a little bit differently and each shop kind of views that experience tech a little bit different. So that's why that intake call to get started is so important for us to make sure that we can deliver the right fit in that role and that person that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, which is such a good point because I talk about this all the time is all we work with is shops and same with you, right? All you work with is shops as well. They're all in the same industry. They're all completely different. Right, you exactly. know, And everyone likes to think that it's like, oh, it's this one big harmonious industry. It's like everyone's fixing cars, but the way they go about that is so different. I'm sure that you get this all the time of, Joel, I need an A-Tech. It's like, well, define an A-Tech because everyone has a different definition for A-Tech, technicians included. I would say that everyone's going to want, well, I want, you know, a rock star to crank out 80 hours and not have any mistakes. But it's a little bit different when you got a tire guy or a Euro guy or a heavy line guy or a diesel guy. How do you kind of split up shops or how do you put them in different buckets? Like, hey, this person's looking for a super producer versus this one's looking for a mentor or this one's looking for someone that they can train. How do you guys kind of put those into buckets to make sure you're matching the right people to the right shop?
1: kind of starts with me right so i have an initial conversation with the shop learn high level you know are they part of a coaching group what shop software are they using are they utilizing digital vehicle inspection are they our ideal customer from there we go even more in depth on that intake calls you know going through compensation and benefits and while our focus is recruiting and trying to match that right candidate we're partnering with shops so we want to help where we can so we've helped shops rework their pay scale and how they're paying their tax and what we're seeing. You know, We're working with almost 120 shops across the country right now in rural markets, metro markets. So the more shops we continue to work with and the more technicians and service advisors we talk to, we're just continuing to get more and more data so that we can provide even more value and feedback to our shops to really help them as far as the pay goes. And then the other thing, again, going back to the retention is we can find great talent and bring it to the shop. But again, it's also on the shop to retain that employee, right? Because we're not in there day to day. We we need to make sure that these shops are investing in their employees and giving them a path to continue to grow and train and education and, and things like that. So those are the conversations that we're having with our shops on the front end and ongoing during our weekly checkpoints and check-ins.
0: And it's such a good point because in other industries, and I've talked to other recruiters and staffing companies for the automotive. It's extremely common to say, hey, you know what? I'm looking for a technician. My pay is going to be flat rate $15 an hour. I don't offer any time off. And then these people are shocked of, all right, yeah, great, Joel. I'll take you on as a client and I'm going to put it out there. Yeah, I can get this in front of technicians. People can see this. But if you're not competitive in the market, neither of you guys are going to have any success because, no, I'm making good ads. I'm getting this in front of people. But this is not going to make anyone move. So how much do you go back to a shop and say, hey, you know what, other people in your area are giving this kind of benefit, or you know what, if you're really looking for that person, this is probably going to cost you more like $30. How much of that do you share with a shop to make sure that they have success?
1: We're transparent, right? That's one of our values is transparency. And that's really what a good partnership's all about is being able to have those conversations and communication. And, and if we're missing the mark somewhere too, we need to know that so that we can fine tune our questions and process to make sure we're delivering the right people. So I would say initially up front, you know, when I'm talking with shops or during that intake call, if someone's looking for a rockstar technician and their pay is 50, 60 grand, I mean, up front, we'll say, hey, this isn't really rock star pay, right? And you get what you pay for. Here's what we suggest based on the market and what we've seen. Other times the pay may seem like it, maybe it's a little bit low, but it's more in line. We'll get to work and we'll get our feelers out. And as we're interviewing candidates based on what we're seeing on what those candidates are making based on their experience where they're working, then we'll go back and have that conversation to say, hey, we're able to find maybe that B tech in quotes, right? Maybe not as experienced that's fitting this pay. Do you want to? Are you willing to increase your pay or are you okay with settling for maybe a little bit less experience? So it's really just navigating those conversations and and having those conversations with the shop owner.
0: Yeah, to be able to give them that option of like, hey, do you want to stay at this budget or do you want to stay at this criteria? You probably aren't going to be able to find both here but making sure that it's the right fit and that you're giving them the shop the choice to make that determination, right?
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, Tire Connect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. Tracks has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax.com. That's n-a-p-a-t-r-a-c-s.com. Shop owners, are you struggling to find and retain top-tier talent for your automotive shop? Introducing Promotive. On the web at GoPromotive.com. With over 40 years of combined industry and recruiting experience, we're the ultimate staffing solution. We go beyond traditional agencies. Our team provides dedicated recruiters and account managers advising on processes, compensation, and benefits. We focus on placing technicians and service advisors with shop that offer the best culture, training, and long-term growth opportunities. Trust our experience to match the right talent to your shop. We carefully select shops that value employee excellence and provide an environment for success. Our dedicated team leads the entire process, leveraging our industry knowledge and expertise. Partner with Promotive and experience their advantage to help you build a high-performing team that drives your shop's growth. Visit gopromotive.com today and let us help find and keep the best talent in the industry. How much are you seeing applicable candidates coming and looking for a shop? I mean, obviously, pay is going to be the primary focus for a lot of not only companies looking for people, but people looking for a job. How much of this is right off the bat of pay? And how much are you seeing these candidates look into other things like time off, like continued training, you know, retirement, health insurance? What part of the decision is paying? What part of the stuff is kind of the non-financial or non-pay side of things?
1: I would say, yeah, definitely pay is it's always a driving factor. It's just a matter on the specific candidate, right? I mean, whether it's their their number one pain point or what they're looking for, or maybe it's the benefits or the training. So again, it's like we were saying earlier, there's no rhyme or reason. Every person's a little bit different. You know, if the pay is maybe a little bit less, but the benefits are amazing. The training's there, the opportunities, they all kind of work together, right? So it's important. We're working with shops that might not have full-blown benefits if they are willing to provide something extra. If they need to go out and get their extra or their own health insurance, right? Maybe they give them an extra 200 bucks or 300 bucks to kind of offset their own health insurance. There's value in that for these candidates, right? Every shop's a little bit different. Maybe there's, you know, a shop that hasn't had to have offer health insurance because all of their current employees are on their spouses, right? So as long as they're willing to work with that specific candidate, if they should need benefits or insurance or things like that's what we're strongly recommending with our shop. So pay isn't always the driving factor, but if you're completely off, It's definitely going to reflect on the candidates that we can provide.
0: If you were to offer no benefits, you can still attract people, but you better pay pretty well. If you're not going to pay very well, you better have some other stuff to get it. So, pretty much the big thing that I'm hearing from you is, you know, I know there's a lot of talk of this new generation, the millennials, they don't care about money. They care about other stuff, which, you know, I think a lot of people like to say that, oh, money's not everything. But, you know what? You still got to pay me well because I still got to pay my rent to live in San Francisco or wherever it is. Yeah, of course, I love time off, but. I'm not going to take four weeks of vacation, you know, to make $20 an hour and overlook someone that's going to pay me 40 bucks an hour with no time off.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And again, it depends on what level technician or service advisor you're looking for. And again, there's if maybe a shop is really dedicated to training, maybe there's an apprentice program or a mentor program, mentorship program where, you know, maybe they're going to bring in more of that entry-level person or someone with less experience, but they're going to pay them and train them to get them to that next step, right? So it's not just the benefits there, but it really depends on the role and kind of the experience of that technician. And then obviously what the shops offer. And then obviously you have paid time off, vacation time. A lot of technicians want to know the shop is busy, right? That there, if it is a a flat rate shop, that there's work to be had and hours to be turned. It all definitely plays a factor. It just depends on the role, the candidate, what the shop's offering, and then we pivot and go go based off of that. And then obviously culture. I mean, in every shop and every candidate, everyone wants to work in a good culture and get along with their team and have fun. You spend more time working than you do with your family, right? Culture, I would say, 9.9 out of 10 times is a big deal for both shops and candidates.
0: Oh, yeah. And that is so often overlooked, right? It's like you could pay someone all they want. If they hate the people that they work with, they will take a pay cut and they leave. And the same flip side, like, hey, maybe you don't pay the highest in town. Maybe you don't have all these benefits. If you have a really good culture and everyone loves coming to work, they're probably still going to come there. You know, I think people often overlook that because culture's free, right? Having a good attitude. Treat each other with respect, not only managers or owners to employees, but employees to employees. I've seen a lot of shops really struggle because they keep that rock star technician that has a terrible attitude in there Yep. and they're afraid to fire them. And when they finally do, production doesn't drop off as much because, yeah, you're losing that guy, but it's like a breath of fresh air in the hey. shop and everyone's happier to be there.
1: Exactly. And then the retention overall goes up because, you know, they're not those Techs that are coming in and staying for three or six months and getting fed up with, you know, maybe that the bad seed or the culture, it definitely helps retention too. So and it's not an easy thing, right? To have to terminate somebody or make those business decisions. But most times it's definitely worth it for the for the
0: business. Well, yeah, And I have a lot of clients that I'm talking to and they're like, oh, we had a bad month. We just lost one of our guys. And sometimes they forget. It's like most of my shops probably are averaging three to five technicians on it. And it's like, you lost 30. of your workforce. If you didn't have a major interruption in production, then that's probably a deeper issue there. But you brought up a really good point that everyone's so focused on production of this one person and we can't lose them. But if you're kind of have tunnel vision on and you're only focused about not losing that one, you could be losing the other pieces of your team because they can't stand working with that person. Yep, exactly. Awesome. I got one last question for you, you know, and this is a little bit of a trickier one and then let you talk a little bit about specifically the way that you work with shops and and how people can start working with you. But my curiosity is always, and I think personally, one of the hard parts about this is I don't think that the average technician or the average service advisor is actively on job boards looking for job openings, right? They have a job. There's no such thing as a good unemployed technician or advisor usually. How are you finding these people, showing them these ads and getting them interested in something else when they might not be actively looking for another job?
1: Good question. So there's actually, there are a lot of technicians and service advisors that are actively looking. So we take two different approaches. We look at the active candidates. So the active candidates being those job board candidates. So the ones that if a technician's applying on Indeed to one shop, They're applying to five, 10, 15 other shops at the same time, right? One of the values that we provide with those active candidates is what we've learned is speed to lead, right? So as soon as they apply to that job, our recruiters instantly reach out within an hour because if we don't, or if a shop's managing it and they don't, you're going to lose that person because they're onto the person who the other shop that responded quicker. There's definitely the sense of urgency with these active candidates there are some really good candidates that we've placed that have come from the job boards. It's really just getting them on the phone, scheduling those interviews, those constant touch points of managing that process, saving that time and getting in front of them as quick as possible. So outside of the active candidates, we really focus on the passive candidates, too. So the passive candidates being the ones that maybe are not overly happy where they're at. They're not completely miserable. They just haven't taken initiative to maybe clean up their resume and go apply to five or 10 different shops. But they're still open to see if there's a better opportunity out there. You know, our recruiters are sourcing resumes. We actually have a new ATS applicant tracking system, which has a pretty robust database where it allows us to hone in on a certain zip code, certain mile radius. We can hone in on master technicians, loop technicians, service advisors, Eurotechs. So we can really hone in those filters and we get their contact info. If they have a Facebook, if they have a LinkedIn, where they're currently working, where they've previously worked. So we can see, you know, are they stable in their job? Have they been there for more than a year, two years, three years? Because those passive candidates are really the ones that shops want, right? Because they're the ones that are loyal and that are sticking it out. But maybe something has happened over the last few months that has pushed them over the edge. Maybe the culture, maybe they've had enough of that bad seed, right? Or maybe they're not able, there's not enough training opportunities, whatever the case may be. So, you know, we don't put on the full court press. Our recruiters will just reach out and say, hey, we have a great shop in your area. Are you interested in hearing more? And if they are, we run them through the the interview process and see if they're a good fit. And if they're happy where they're at, that's great. We move on to the next one.
0: That's a really cool point that you brought up is, you know, yeah, these people are available, but they're not available for long. And you and I have probably both experienced the same thing of, Hey, had a really good talk with the technician this morning, brought him in for an interview, you know, on a Friday and and caught him up on Monday because we decided we were going to go give an offer and he'd already accepted another one. Like you said, they're not just applying to one, they're applying to 10 or 15. And if you don't strike while the iron's hot, you're probably going to lose that person. But we all know if you go through these job boards, that's a full time job, right? There is junk on top of a junk on top of a junk. And if you're not looking at that, you're not going to find that needle in a haystack, which is why, you know, luckily there's professionals like you to be able to handle that. Already kind of seen here of where you need almost a full-time person having your eyes on this. Let's talk about the way that you work with shops. You know, let's talk about promotive and and how people can reach you and and start to work with you and get that right person in their shop.
1: And just real quick to touch on, you know, the job board candidates is in our seven months, we reviewed almost 18,000 resumes. Out of those 18,000, we only pre-screened 582. You know, Essentially, we didn't look at 17,500 resumes. I mean, we looked at them and maybe there were still some good candidates in there that we have in our database, but they weren't the right fit for what our shops were looking for, right? Again, there's a lot of good candidates, but it takes a lot of time to weed through those resumes, to, to get them on the phone, to just manage that process. With those passive candidates, a lot of time to reach out. See if they're interested, and then take them through the rest of the process. Again, it's definitely been a lot of fun. Been in the industry for you know over ten years, and have worked with shops for the last six years. My dad still owns a shop, so it's definitely a great industry to be in. And I'd say it's a recruiting and staffing in this industry is definitely a new concept. It's becoming more relevant. There's definitely a need for it. And you know, you think about how shops outsource their accounting or their marketing. It's the same concept because shop owners have a lot on their plates and they're busy working on their business or maybe in their business still really, you know, managing their people and getting their culture to where it needs to be. Our whole thing is we want to partner with shops. We want to be an extension of their team and we want to manage 90, 95% of that recruiting process. So they don't have to worry about, I, I call it, all that grunt work, right? All of the backend stuff that we're handling. Our goal is by the time we serve up a quality candidate or two, that they only have to do an interview, maybe two depending on their process, because we've thoroughly vetted them out. So our whole thing is quality over quantity. We can send resumes all day long, but that's not going to help a shop owner. Our goal is to really here's really provide the top two or three candidates per role And if they're not a good fit, we go back and provide another two or three candidates. That's our approach is really trying to manage the day-to-day, going through the resumes, talking to these candidates two, three, four times. We write the job descriptions. We extend the offer verbally. We write the offer letters. That's another piece to mention is there's a difference between verbally extending the offer and getting that offer letter in front of them quickly. It's all about speed because if you wait a week, to get that letter in front of them, they probably have two other job offers and they're starting at another shop. That's what we're doing on the back end or the front end when we're working the shops.
0: And that's a really cool idea because anytime that someone comes and there's been other people in this space, oh, we have a secret sauce, right? We can do something that no one else does. It makes you a little bit uneasy, right? Because it's, man, what are you going to do? You're not cloning people. You're not putting robots in there. What you say is the same thing that I say to a lot of people. You could do your own accounting and to a certain degree, you could do your own taxes. But it comes down to two things. Do you think that you're going to be able to do it as well as a professional that does this every single day? And also, how much is your time worth? You could go and you could find your own people. You could be on the job boards. Do you think that you're going to be able to do it as good as Promotive that only does this, right? It's their business. And also, do you have free time in the day, right? Are you sitting around your shop right now saying, you know what? I don't really have anything on my plate. I got a lot of free time to write these offers to peruse the job boards. No, I would say most shop owner is already overloaded. Do you think that you're doing the best job by being a part-time recruiter or is it time to call in the big guns?
1: Exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. And what I'd say is we're working with single locations. We're working with multi locations. We're even working with groups that have their own internal recruiter. You know, you look at one recruiter, one recruiter can only do so much, especially if you have five 10 15 locations. There's a lot of hours that go into just hiring one position. Then in the shop side, you have all the onboarding and the payroll and all the other work that has to happen. I would say that, you know, it doesn't matter if you have one location, 21 locations. We are working with everything in between. We have shops that or we have customers that have shops in two different states, three different states, and we will customize what we need to and where we need to spend our time. Maybe an internal recruiter wants to focus on one state and our team focuses on the other locations in a different state. So, you know, there's probably not a scenario you can mention that we're not currently working with. And I think that's what really makes us different because there's a lot of recruiting companies that have started in the last six to 12 months. And I think it's awesome. Everyone kind of has their own niche and, and where they specialize in what they do. I think the biggest thing for Promotive is that we're focused on quality over quantity. We have an amazing team and we're a newer company, but we're not new to automotive. We're not new to startups and we're not new to recruiting. So we have a really solid team of founders, recruiters, account managers, marketing, that we're all working together and have a ton of experience working in this industry and the recruiting industry.
0: Like you said, you know, your track record speaks for itself. I think on your website, there's some testimonials about it. You guys get results and are obviously working with shops to get people in the building. A couple of last questions here before we wrap this up. And this one might be a little bit hard to quantify, but how many hours do you think that your team puts in there to get one person? Just to see, you know, how much work this takes. Like if I was to say, all right, Joelle, I'm a regular shop based in Maryland on it. And I want you to find me one technician. How many hours do you think that your team is putting in there between writing that ad, talking to the shop, perusing through job boards, writing that offer to that person's in the door? I mean, how much time commitment is this?
1: So what I would say is what we have found, the more shops we have in a certain market, we've actually been able to make placements a little bit quicker because our recruiters have spent more time talking to more candidates and building our own internal pipeline of Those quality candidates. Take Atlanta, for example. We have about a dozen shops in this market, you know, bringing on and Atlanta is a big market, but if we were to bring on a shop that is, you know, within 30 minutes of other locations, we have a couple hundred technicians in this market that we've already talked to that we're staying in touch with, that we're keeping warm that maybe wasn't a good fit for whatever reason with another shop, but we could potentially be able to go and place them quickly. So that would take less time. Now, again, the more time we have and the more markets we take on, and we're from California to Florida to New York to Indiana to Wyoming, we're working in, you know, across the whole country right now. But I would say if I had to put a kind of a minimum hours per job, I would say minimum 15 hours our recruiters are spending. And that's for a pretty quick turnaround. But again, it could be 30, 45 hours But I would say 15 hours, you look at that and let's say your labor rates 150, that's 2,200 bucks in in time right there that we're putting into really sourcing. And there's two ways to look at it. And there's no cut and dry answer because every shop and their numbers are a little bit different. But I'd say there's two things to look at. One is how much time and dollars are you saving from working with a company like Promotive, right? So that's what we're talking about now. Those hours you're putting in sourcing, vetting, qualifying. Then you also have to look at how much is it tech worth, right? How much am I losing by not filling that bay? And, you know, I've worked with my shop owner friends and I've kind of put together a a little calculator to really, it's a high level to simplify it, but any shop that would be interested to kind of plug in their numbers to see what that tech is worth is definitely another factor to consider. So there's kind of two things when you're talking about time and dollars, how much time and money would I save on the front end or am I spending on the front end and what am I losing by Every day that goes by and every month that goes by that I'm not getting somebody in that bay.
0: If you're in the right area where you guys already have a presence, you're never going to be able to have these results because you don't have this information. But you might be able to get a technician the next day of, hey, you know what? I have this great Euro guy that's been dying to find a new place. The last three people I had in this area, all were looking diesel technicians. Steve's ready to come in tomorrow tomorrow. And you might not have ever even found Steve, but you already have him in your database. And then also, yeah, I'll save you guys the time. Don't even fill out Joelle's calculator on it. Whatever her prices are, it's a fraction of what you're losing just in one week, one week on a technician. Even at very low labor rates of, you know, a hundred bucks an hour, 40 hour a week, you're losing $4,000 by not having that person in there, let alone two weeks, let alone a month with a vacancy there. You know, I do see sometimes people being very short sighted of, oh, I don't want to spend this money on a recruiter. And they don't realize the opportunity cost of not having that person in the building is massively more than what they're spending here.
1: Exactly. And one other thing I'd say is a lot of shops ask, hey, will you build my bench for me? And of course, we can't build hundreds of benches. We can't, you know, as we continue to scale thousands of benches. I like to say we're building our bench and keeping those candidates warm. So it goes back to that database and staying in touch. And again, that's more time on our end. And I know there's some really great shops that are doing that on their own. And some shops maybe have a recruiting background or whatever the case may be, but it's still that time that it takes to make those phone calls, send those emails, send those text messages to stay in front of those technicians and service advisors. So that's something else that we're doing wherever we have shops, whether it's one shop or 10 shops in a market, we're constantly keeping those candidates warm for when we do bring on more shops in in those markets.
0: Awesome. Well, Joelle, I think that you gave us so much information here, and, and I even learned a couple of things about this that I never knew. What is the best way for someone to get in touch with you guys if they want to learn more about how you could work with them to see if they are a good fit move forward with your program?
1: Our website is gopromotive.com. Right on there, if you click on the Employers tab, you can fill out basic information, first name, last name, shop information. It comes directly to me. I get it right away. And then we schedule a call. You know, The shop can schedule it right on my calendar, I'll reach out if they don't schedule it. We get on a call and kind of discuss further on what their needs are, what they're looking for, and then kind of take it from there. So gopromoted.com. Filling out the form on that on that page is the best way to get a hold of me and I'll be in contact right away.
0: Awesome. Well, Joel, I just want to say thanks again for coming on here. Thanks again for helping shops. We have several mutual clients and you know your reputation has preceded uh, yourself. And also... Most importantly, I just want to say thank you for supporting my podcast as well. You guys have been an awesome partner and yeah, just happy to be able to spread your word, help you help shops, which is all what we're trying to do here. Yeah, no,
1: And I want to thank you too. I mean, this has definitely been a a great partnership and I'm happy and I'm sure you'd be happy to know I was actually talking with a shop yesterday that heard about us on your uh, podcast and he uh, signed up today. So it''s not hey. uh, working.
0: <laughs> Marketing working, that's always tell you. people. Podcast is the strangest thing because it's like I don't get any input, right? I'm recording this stuff. Yep. you know right now I'm hiding in a bedroom so that you don't hear people banging on my roof. But happy to hear it's worked out well for you and yeah, excited for more shops to meet you and, and for you to help them as well.
1: Absolutely appreciate Hunt.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that talk with Joelle. I know I learned a lot about not only the recruiting process, but her business specifically. And I hope that you reach out to see how she could help you and your business as well. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on com and on your favorite podcast listing app. Thanks again for joining us on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.